The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation that, of course, over at hoop-ball.com. And I am your host, Dan Bespris. A name fit for a video chiron. It's Dan. That's an easy one. Bespris. B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do go check me out on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. You can follow hoopball by going to the website, hoop-ball.com, or following their news feed, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. It's a fantastic feed. You should follow it for fantasy basketball-related news as it breaks. This week, I've just been yelling at people to sign up for Twitter. I, I don't know how many of you are actually listening to me on that front. I'm guessing a lot of you already have. If you haven't, do it today. Stop screwing around. Go to Twitter, sign up. I don't care if you make a picture or a profile or anything like that. Follow me, at Dan Vespers. Follow the people I follow. I know there's a little bit of a vain element to this, but this is how you will get your news before the other people in your league. So just go do it. Trust me, you will be grateful. The one thing I will also say is don't go following random stuff. Like, don't don't follow... You're, you're going to be like, oh, this Twitter, this is great. I can get my fantasy news really fast, my basketball news... There's a rabbit hole that you end up in, and things go from really useful to dire, and you won't even realize you got there. So that part also, please do take my advice. But let's dive right on in. It's it's a lovely Wednesday. We had a short Tuesday card to recap, some games that sort of got out of hand a little bit. Now, I wouldn't call it a weird Tuesday card, just kind of... Yeah, I mean, there was some fun stuff in there, but not a ton of uh, earth-shattering news. So let's go through the Tuesday card. We'll probably spend more time today previewing a big Wednesday. And my goal is that because almost all of our shows lately have been like 50 to 65 minutes long, let's see if we can keep this one in the 30 to 40 range. Give you guys a little respite from listening to me lecture to you all day. Although I do have a couple new things I want to tell you about on the free side at HoopBall. So we'll take a moment in the middle of the podcast and we will dive into that. Orlando, in their first game without Aaron Gordon, came out guns blazing, and then the guns stopped blazing. Except for that belonging to Freddie Van Vliet, who had 54 on only 23 shots. 11 three-pointers, three boards, two assists, three steals, three blocks. Nine for nine at the free throw line. One turnover. How about that for a damn fantasy line? Whoa! Freddie Van Vliet is now number 13 in nine category leagues on the year. On the shoulders of a crazy low 1.8 turnovers this season, in addition to all the other great stuff he's doing, and his poor field goal percent really doesn't hurt you because somehow he's blocking .7 shots a night. I mean, I liked Freddie Van Vliet, but I thought he was going to be like, you know, maybe like a half round ahead of where he was drafted in the late 30s, early 40s, and he is dominating. There was always that upside element if Kyle Lowry got moved, but he's hitting it even with Lowry around. Amazing. Amazing. He's ahead of, like, he's ahead of Anthony Davis right now. Ahead of Paul George. What a year Freddie Van Vliet is having so far. 
Now we just need him to stay healthy. No OG Ananobi, so Norman Powell slid into the starting lineup and was great, as per usual. When he starts, when he comes off the bench, he's been largely non-existent. There's a, a lot of concern around Chris Boucher right now, and one thing I'd like to point out is that this is a perfect Aaron Baines chunk in that Toronto had Orlando two games in a row a game where they frankly just didn't want Chris Boucher chasing Nico Vucevic around. He's too big, he's too skilled, he's too strong, so they deployed their more traditional lumbering ox big man, and Baines was not great from a fantasy standpoint, but did his job defensively in kind of limiting Vooch to not a good game in Toronto, and then you know, Vooch had 18 rebounds, but I don't know how you put that on Aaron Baines. Um, in a kind of a pedestrian game this time around as well. He was fine, but he didn't blow the roof off the building. And that's really what you want out of anyone dealing with Vooch. What does that mean going forward? Well, Toronto has Brooklyn coming up after a couple of off days here. They play on Friday in Brooklyn and then Saturday in Atlanta. This is all part of a, it was a pretty long road trip, actually, for the Raptors that I reckon will tire them out by the time they're done. This was kind of the the break. They had the day off there, the Orlando home and home. Then they go back to back and they end up with I think four games and six nights or something like that. So they'll they'll get themselves worn down a little, a little bit. But here's the thing to note. Brooklyn's been running heavily Jeff Green at center. That's a perfect Chris Boucher game. I think Toronto's gonna trot Baines and his defense out there against a team that's trying to go five wide, basically. Atlanta, Capella, so you might see more Baines. Memphis, I don't know if JV's going to be back. That may change the complexion there. Washington doesn't have any real offensive centers to deal with, so you might see more Boucher in that one. You can't go dropping a dude who flashed the kind of upside he did. I know he's fallen now to number 41 overall, and his minutes have been trending the wrong way, and he's you know well outside the top 100 over the last week. He's played 13, 14, 18, and 19 minutes in those games, and he's been bad. There's no way around that. But I think we all kind of knew, out loud or not out loud, that Boucher wasn't going to average 20 points and 8 rebounds and 4 defensive stats and 2 three-pointers per game when he's never really played those kinds of minutes and when a lot of his stuff was coming from just sort of scattered shot defense running around willy-nilly on a team that wasn't winning. They weren't winning. They beat Charlotte a couple of times in there. Boucher had some big games against the Hornets. So stick with it. He's not a drop. I'm seeing him getting dropped in leagues. I'm just like, what is? what are these leagues where you can get away with idiotic stuff like that? Do not. Do not. First game without Aaron Gordon for Orlando was ugly, as you'd expect. They did manage to put up 108 points, but you know, it was just it was clunky getting there. Evan Fournier had six turnovers. Cole Anthony had four turnovers. These guys are going to be trying to run more offense. And I think in the in general, Fournier is actually going to be a guy who sees a big, big bump from the Gordon absence. Terrence Ross has gone back to being so wildly inconsistent that I can't even wrap my head around it. I've got to think they need him to step up a little bit here somehow because they're just down bodies. No Markel Fultz, no Aaron Gordon. Well, Fultz is out for the year. Gordon for a month, month and a half sounds like is the window. Cole Anthony should be able to do enough now, I would think, to get over the cut line. 
But you're not going any farther than that. A lot of people kind of preemptively struck on Kem Birch, and then he played 15 and a half minutes and did nothing yesterday. Orlando ended up going with a pretty deep rotation, and that sort of screwed everybody. Cole Anthony played enough for value. So did Evan Fournier. Uh, Gary Clark played 25 minutes and did nothing. Dwayne Bacon played 21 minutes off the bench and actually sort of got warm a little bit there. But otherwise, you're not you're just not venturing beyond the usual. I, I, I do think Ross finds his way back here. This is it should have been a better matchup, and I can't fully explain it, but you can't dump him because there's just there's so little left in Orlando. Someone's gonna have to do it. Clippers and Nets was a fun one. Real fun one. Big numbers on a lot of fronts. Nick Batum. Hit five three-pointers in a 38-minute effort. Marcus Morris played 30 minutes and appears to be trending up. Does that make him a nine-category guy? Probably not. He's He requires a lot of usage to get over the hump in nine-category leagues. A lot of usage. Basically what he was getting last year in New York, and that ain't happening with the Clippers, and lately, he's looked better because his shot's been falling, and we all know that's going to level off to something in the mid-40s by the time this is all said and done. However, points leagues, you are you absolutely have to take a look at him there. Um, and it seems like perhaps the Clippers are finding a way to play both Marcus Morris and Nick Batum enough minutes to get them fantasy value. The the unlucky recipients to the other side of that is uh, Serge Ibaka and Ivica Zubats, who have been kind of trending the wrong way. Well, Ibaka, he doesn't need a ton of minutes. He's pretty high usage big man. He had 9 and 10 with a couple of blocks, and this one didn't shoot the ball well, but he's certainly on the radar. Zoo was a guy we were watching as he was sort of trending up a little bit, and this was a terrible matchup for him. So uh, keep an eye on the way that shakes out as well. Patrick Beverly is still out. They have a back-to-back coming up tonight. Sounds like everybody else is playing, including Kawhi, on the back-to-back. In Cleveland. Hmm. Brooklyn side, uh, Jeff Green finally didn't make all of his shots, which was unusual, but at the same time, he did play 31 minutes, and he's locked in right now as their big-time minutes center, and he started this game. They wanted to force the Clippers into a a smaller ball game. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily great for Green, but again, you know, he's he's not going to be a high-usage guy. We need him to hit the high percentage of his stuff, but then he mixes in some steals... Some rebounds, he'll hit you a few threes. He, he definitely belongs on fantasy teams. There's no question about that right now. So does Joe Harris. And I think DeAndre Jordan, we can pretty safely call a drop with him coming off the bench now. Although I think they'll probably use DJ more uh, when they go against a more traditional big man. They may just opt to spread things out and run people ragged. Because ain't nobody guarding that Brooklyn team when they're going with that five spot. Of the big three, new big three, Irving, Harden, Durant, and then Joe Harris and Jeff Green to spread the floor. That is a ridiculous amount of offensive firepower. There's no guarding that because there's no, like, if you put a big man in the paint, someone's going to be wide the hell open. I'll give them this. They are fun. They are fun. They're a great fade against lesser teams and a great back against good teams right now because ain't nobody stopping them, and they're also not stopping anyone. So tight tight spreads, they're great. They shot 57% against one of the better defenses in the NBA because they're unstoppable. 
they're they are closer to being a contender than I think people want to give them credit for. And I, I always talk about fading them, but I'm talking from from a betting standpoint. Oh, how many balls are there? And they, who cares, man? It doesn't matter. They have three of the best offensive players in the NBA. They'll be fine. They do need to figure out how to slow somebody down. You take too many chances trying to win a bunch of coin flip games like that. Portland beat Washington thanks to uh, a lot of offense, which sort of is the case when you play the Wizards. Gary Trent, who uh, is a, a wonderful streamer right now, filling in for C.J. McCollum. And just keep trotting him out there as long as you can. 26 points on seven three-pointers. Rob Covington, 19-9 and with five threes and a steal. I, I get it. I get it. The first thing I thought when I saw it as well was, why not more defensive stats? But listen, we're not going to split hairs here. He's got his season field goal percent up to 33 now, guys. 33. Holy mackerel. He's number 110 in nine category leagues, despite how horrible the season's been for Rob Covington. This is why you hang on, because even at his basement, he's still startable. 110 is a startable 12-team guy. In a competitive league, maybe not in a games cap format, but still even that's close. Carmelo finally had a better ball game, but listen, we've, we've moved on from that. That was a, if Rob Covington has a concussion that knocks him out for a week or two, that was more of a stream on that front. But for now, uh, you're going Dame, obviously, Rocco, Cantor, and Gary Trent Jr. That's your grouping on the Portland Trailblazers. Wizards! Thought they were going to play better in this ballgame, and they shot 55%, which begs the question of how the hell did they lose by so much? Yeah, they lost the turnover battle. Yeah, they lost the rebounding battle. But this is super weird result for them to lose by 11, despite outshooting the Blazers by 9%. Y like, you look at the numbers, they probably shouldn't have lost that ballgame. But they did. Uh, Portland hitting all 23 of their free throws certainly didn't hurt their cause. Blazers went, what, 14 of 17? Am I doing the math right on that one? So there's your nine points right there. That takes care of most of it. Rui Hachimura had a good ball game, but his fantasy game is lacking. This is the he got hot. If he's not white hot, he's not doing enough other stuff to float his numbers. I think as this season goes, Denny Avdia is going to get more responsibility. He has kind of a neat little well-rounded game. Didn't get any steals or blocks in this one, but he can shoot, he can rebound, he can pass. He's actually kind of an interesting rookie that isn't getting talked about a lot because he's buried behind a pair of usage behemoths in Beal and Westbrook. Someone's getting moved on that Wizards team. There's just no way that both Russ and Beal are on that team at the end of this season. I can't, I couldn't possibly imagine. Here's the problem, though. Everybody's like, well, what if Beal gets moved? Does Avdia get a, a ton of usage? Maybe. Who's coming back? Can't be fully a salary dump, right? They're going to want to get some sort of promising young prospect in this deal, and that dude's going to soak up a lot of the Beal stuff. Probably not as much as Bradley does. I mean, he had a 37 usage yesterday. Probably not as much. But it won't be zero. And so then you're like, all right, well, what is enough to get someone up and over the hump? If if Beal leaves and someone comes back who has a usage of, I don't know, plays in the 18 to 22 range, something like that, what's left on the table here is probably about, I don't know, 10 shots in that instance. You just want to take it, forget usage, let's just look at shots. Beal's... Beal took 24 yesterday, and he's going to be up around 20 every ballgame. 
you know, if he leaves and someone else comes in who's taking, let's say, a dozen, then that leaves eight. Do those go to Avdia? Do those go to Westbrook, Hachimura? Do they get split up among everybody? Davis Bertans is going to keep trending up here as he gets his wind back. I want Denny Avdia to be a thing. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but keep one little eye on that team. Hachimura probably gets up and over the hump if his usage goes way up also, because that's how he actually clears the hurdle. He's number 192 right now, which, by the way, it's kind of insane that he's 51% rostered, and he hasn't really been close to legitimate sustaining fantasy value this year. So forget Hachimura, because he's probably going to be rostered in your league for no reason other than he scores a little bit. Avdi is the guy where if someone gets moved, he's the dude I'm racing out to pick up just to see what happens. He's only 10% rostered right now. I, frankly, I believe he has the higher ceiling between those guys. 23 minutes a game, he's at 7-4-2. and two. What if that trends up towards 30 and the usage goes with it? Are you talking about 11-6-3 over a steal, two three-pointers? That would get him in the mix. We're looking way down the line here. This is how you make a lot of podcasts out of a six-game recap, by the way. You're not dropping Davis Bertans either. Memphis, I don't know what the hell's going on with the Grizzlies. I can't read this team to save my life. They blew out the Spurs twice in a row and then turned right around and got blown out by the Pacers. Could not handle Demonis Sabonis. Not that many teams can. Couldn't handle Miles Turner either. Big men just chewed Memphis up in this one. And that's all well and good, but those guys are on rosters already. The one that I think we need to celebrate is Jeremy Lamb, who's looking like one of the most profitable short stashes that I can remember in a long time. He just he wasn't rostered almost anywhere, and then all of a sudden, like right out of the blue, he just pops up and he's rolling. It took him like a week to get up to speed after devastating injuries. Who the hell is this guy? How did he get to be such an incredible healer? I did not expect it to ramp up this quickly. He's not going to be a top 40 guy all year. The 51% field goal will come down, as will the 95% free throw. Although, admittedly, that is one of his positives. So that one might come down a little bit more slowly. One steal, one block. That block probably comes back down a little bit. The other stuff is relatively doable. 14 and 5. I think Jeremy Lamb's a top 75 guy, as long as TJ Warren and Karis Levert are out. And then... The question for Indy becomes, you know, where do the minutes get siphoned as dudes come back? Justin Holiday will lose playing time. Dylan, uh, Dylan, Doug McDermott <laughs> will lose playing time. Uh, but Lamb is just a better all-around player than those guys, and I think Indiana knows it. Meanwhile, and I haven't talked about him almost at all because there are these giant gaps in his game, TJ McConnell has actually been playing pretty damn well lately. Like, strikingly well lately in that uh, his assists, since everybody's been out on this team, have been in the seven range, which is pretty damn impressive. He had another seven in this one, four steals and a block. He's very much a specialist in every sense of the word. Assists and steals and really nothing else. But if you overlook the fact that he's, I think he's hit like one out of his last five free throws, which again, very limited sample size. And his field goal percent is a little bit low for whatever reason over the last couple of weeks. Two steals and seven assists is enough to make you a startable fantasy player. 
So he should be in lineups right now as long as he's playing like this. And it might be for the foreseeable future. We still don't have a timeline on Karis LeVert. So I would say pick up TJ McConnell, and I mean, unless you're punting assists or steals, but are you punting assists and steals? Both? One? I guess one or the other. That'd be enough to make some kind of difference. I'm telling you, man, there's there's something there. It's useful. That's a useful stat. Memphis, I listen, I give up. I give up with you guys, with you Grizzlies. Anthony Melton had a pretty good ball game in 22 minutes. John Morant did not. What the hell else happened in this game? Slow-mo was bad. Dylan Brooks was the odd winner. Brandon Clark was actually fine by all accounts. Could have been a lot worse for him. He sort of stayed above the fray in this ballgame, as did Melton. Desmond Bain had a pretty good ball game. I mean, they're, they're playing everybody 25 minutes right now, which is a real pain in the butt, but it's also because every game is a blowout. I need to see a Memphis non-blowout to know what the hell they're actually trying to do with these guys. In the meantime, you absolutely do have to have DeAnthony Melton on your roster, just in case it sticks. Detroit fell behind by a million, came back to get to within four in the final two minutes, and then ended up losing by 12 in one of the wildest swing games I've seen in a long time. Wayne Ellington's forgotten how to shoot. I guess we knew the cold spell was coming after that crazy heater. I am not dropping him. He's losing all of his playing time to a much warmer iteration of Josh Jackson, but we all know how that story ends. Hold on Wayne Ellington. Bench him if you have to. That's fine. DeLon Wright saved his night with a series of steals late in this ballgame, and that's what makes him so valuable in nine-category leagues, is that even on bad nights, he does something. Mason Plumley is apparently good again. I don't know what the hell happened here. He was trending down ferociously for about three weeks, and now he's roared back into everybody's good graces with basically four out of five really good ballgames. And he'll probably have another decent one against Phoenix because they'll need him out there to deal with DeAndre Ayton. And then the Lakers, you've got Anthony Davis, so he'll probably be out there for that one as well. They've got Indiana on the docket here coming up soon. You know, maybe it was just a series of bad matchups for Plumlee, but he's been a lot better. His turnovers have been able to cut them down. Free throw percent's been a little better here over the last few ball games, And uh, he went from a drop back to on rosters again. Such is the damage done by a guy who hangs out right at the edge of fantasy value. Just outside the top 100. He's startable right now. Jeremy Grant, another big ball game. No, we're not tired of talking about Jeremy Grant having big ball games. Where the hell's he at now? Where are you at, Jeremy Grant? What's your what's your ranking this year? I've lost him. I've lost him. I have to look him up. Oh, 29. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks to Brew for dropping that sleeper on the podcast. Man. Well, although he was a guy. Listen, I'm going to give Aaron all the credit in the world for calling him a sleeper on this show, and that was the guy he gave away. Remember how in March I told you guys to stash Jeremy Grant for the next season? That was because I thought Paul Millsap was leaving Denver and Grant was going to be the starting power forward for the Nuggets. All gravy on top of that. Royce O'Neal had a pretty good ball game here. He's been another guy that's sort of bounced between uh, a fantasy guy and not a fantasy guy. And right now, he is definitely a fantasy guy. In nine-category leagues, I believe he's inside the top 90. Also not 100% owned in leagues. How, how, how is this dude only 30% owned? He's been quite good. 
so far this year. Eight, seven, two and a half. Good percentages, two threes. I get it. There's points leagues. There's 10-teamers, stuff like that. But he's been well beyond useful in traditional 12-team, nine-category leagues. Boyan Bogdanovich, another good ball game for him. Seems like uh, Boyan is finally starting to find his game. Did that in the old tailor-made golf commercial. Tailor-made. Over the last two weeks, Boyan is inside the top 100. Thank the good Lord. We finally got there. Just forget about the first month. It was not good. He's going to be a lower field goal percent guy, great free throw percent, threes, points, and hopefully, as he continues to find his footing, the field goal percent does come back a little bit. In fact, he's inside the top 80 over the last week, largely due to improved field goal percent. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Donovan Mitchell's back, so Joe Ingles is a drop again. Boston beat Golden State 111-107. This is a good ball game. Steph Curry got hot. But it wasn't enough, even with the help of Juan Toscano Anderson, who had himself a big ball game. Meanwhile, the Warriors are dropping big men like flies. James Wiseman out with a wrist injury. Kevon Looney turned his ankle in this one after the first, uh, was it right in the middle of the second quarter, I think. And he's out now, probably for a week or two. So the Warriors were forced to go to a Draymond at center lineup pretty much for the ball game. And of course, for Dre, that's good. For his fantasy value, at 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Can't shoot, turned it over, doesn't score. I am legitimately concerned that Draymond Green will not be a startable fantasy player this year. Right now, he's not. But maybe this helps his cause. Maybe the Warriors get Wiseman back somewhat soon. Warriors are turning out to be a uh, pretty annoying fantasy team this year. It's a lot of Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins... Drops outside the top 100 after this one. Kelly Oubre has not found his stroke. He's shooting 37.5% on the year. I still think he's a guy that comes around. But, man, I mean, this is a hard run to hold on to. See if you can get Oubre for, like, a top 100 guy. Because his upside still is well beyond what these other dudes are doing. And, I don't know, I mean... And maybe he's just turned into a pumpkin, and maybe it'll last the whole year, but it still feels like it shouldn't. Meanwhile, on the Boston side, uh, we got our first look at what this team is going to be without Marcus Smart, who's out for a few weeks. And the answer was they did go big, but not in the way we expected, meaning they went heavier on Tristan Thompson at center. Daniel Tice got plenty of power forward playing time. And in 29 minutes, he is absolutely positively a must-own, must-start guy. So Tice is looking like someone who's probably going to have a couple of weeks, at least, of sustained fantasy value. And who knows, maybe he makes that last a little bit longer. Tristan Thompson's game is whack. Time Lord only played eight and a half minutes, and that continues to make him kind of a hard guy to roster. He's number 94 right now in only 15 minutes of ball game. And in, and you know, at a glance, you're like, 15 minutes? That's easy. But he didn't even come close to 15 minutes yesterday. And I don't know how, you know, without Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice going down, this is about as clear a path as you can get because you take out a a 32-minute-a-game starter. Most of the minutes ended up going to Grant Williams, who I definitely don't trust long-term. And then now you're at a point where you're like, okay, so we'll just pare it down to the main dudes. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and I think Daniel Tice. There's your four. They play again tonight, and Kemba is likely to sit that one. So now you're thinking about a Jeff Teague situation. 
the Jeff Teague situation. All right, that's that's a long recap on a short Tuesday. God, I talk too much. I really do talk too much. Hey, wanted to tell you guys about something new and cool going on at the Hoob that we're trying out today, and we'll see how it rolls. And that is, uh, many of you guys know that I do a What to Watch for Twitter column where I'm like, look, these are the things that I'm keeping an eye on in the games tonight. It was suggested to us that we turn that into a live video. So we're going to try it. Our buddy Alan Soroki is going to be dropping the first one today at about 3 p.m. Pacific times, about an hour before games start. It's going to be short. This is not like a full-length show. It's not a Q&A. It is just a live YouTube show where Alan, Adam King, and myself, we're going to rotate through, depending on which day. I think we're probably do it three times a week. Do basically a what to watch for column in video which you can pack more stuff in in kind of the same amount of time. It takes me probably about 10 minutes to put together my What to Watch for column, and in a 10-minute video, I could probably talk about about 50 more things than what I put on, you know, two or three tweets, or whatever goes out. And that's kind of the same story for Alan and Adam as well. So, for instance, today, it's a 10-game Wednesday card. I'm guessing the uh, video will take about 10 to 15 minutes We'll be, it's going to be free. We're going to tweet about it relentlessly to make sure you guys are seeing the cool new stuff we're doing. And it's not going to be this comprehensive show, okay? This isn't going to be like starting lineups. It's not going to be a whole daily podcast. This is just what to watch for. That's it. Alan, myself, Adam, one of us will come on. We'll say, hey, everybody, it's what to watch for, your fantasy pregame show. And we're going to tell you about what we're looking at. Now, I do a little bit of that on this podcast every day, but we do it in the morning before a bunch of things change. And so this will be a quick hitter version of that. Hey, these are the things I'm eyeballing. This is where I really have my attention tonight because if something big happens in this ballgame, I want to be ready to pounce on it. So that's what to watch for. Live video show starting today. We'll see how that rolls. It's in a test balloon, sort of, but hopefully you guys will enjoy it. And if you check it out and uh, people love it, then we'll keep that thing going. That's a cool new thing at the Hoob. A cool thing at the Hoob that's not new is the Wager Pass. Keep telling you guys about it, and I'm going to keep telling you guys about it. I want you guys all getting into sports betting before this season is done because we're having a freaking wingding, and yesterday the wingding continued. Personally, I went 3-3, three and three, so I basically broke even on yesterday's card. But as a team, oh, baby, uh, Troy, another 2-0 and day for our buddy Troy Markowski, who's now 43-33 and 33 overall, up. 15.4 units on the season in NBA. A unit, by the way, is whatever your normal betting designation is because everybody bets different amounts. Meanwhile, Vince Miracle, who got off to a very sluggish start in his handicapping, is on an insane roll. He's hit three money line underdogs in the last two days on big wagers, and he's won 14 units in two days. You don't see that very often. We're having a wingding, man. It's only $9.99 a month over at hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab, choose Wager Pass, and buy it. That's $0.33 cents a day. And for instance, I'm looking at yesterday's card right now. I had six plays. Troy had two. That's eight. Devin had three. That's 11. Vince had three. That's 14. Uh, Eric had six. That's 20. Brew had one, two, three, four, five, six. That's 26 plays yesterday for $0.33. Cents. Less than one and a half cents 
per play is what you end up getting with handicapping and analysis on every single one of them. That amount of work in the normal sports betting community is worth about two or three hundred dollars, and it was thirty-three cents at Hoopball yesterday. So please do check that out. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on again the premium tab, and choose Wager Pass, and get yourself involved, and then open up an account with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Yes, it's a beautiful, harmonious partnership where we give you guys the way to win money from mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code Hoopball. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. When you open an account, make your first deposit and hit me up on Twitter. A couple of you did that already this week, and you are happier for it because I put prizes in your pocket. So do it. MyBookie.ag is the website. Yeah, you're hearing those letters right. MyBookie.ag. When you're signing up, make sure to put the promo code HOOPBALL in, or I can't get you your sweet prize, and then hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and say, Dan, I opened up an account, made a deposit, you got a prize for me? And I do, I do. I'll give one to every single one of you this week that opens an account and makes that first deposit. Every one of you. There's your crazy promise of the start of February. I'm like crazy Gideon with these prices. That might be a Southern California thing. Uh, Also, shout out to our buddies at Manscaped.com for sending some of our show hosts Manscaped swag. You guys are the best, man. Our promo code's still working great over there. Go to Manscaped.com. Promo code is HoopBall20. You can get the Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, Boxers, T-shirts, Powders, Lotions, the Shears. That's the nail kit. They've got, I actually forget the name, but they do have a straight razor as well, which I am... Very excited. That'll be the next thing that I get from them. When they're like, Dan, can I send you something? I'll be like, yeah, send me that straight razor. Ooh, baby. Let's get a nice tight shave. I got to tell you guys, the sideburn trimmer really is kind of amazing. I'm a hairy, disgusting human being. I am a, I am a late 30s Ashkenazi human being. So I am no, I, there's no shortage of pelt on me. And I got to tell you, the, the lawnmower really doesn't pinch. Ah, it doesn't. Neck, back, whatever. Like, I've used a lot of sideburn trimmers in my life to try to deal with that, deal with my my pelt. Uh, And I always end up with some sort of pinch or cut or nick or whatever, and they've they've figured it out. I don't know how the hell they did it, but go to manscaped.com. Promo code there is hoopball20. Check that out. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping, and you'll be happy you did. It really is a good product. And we're thrilled to keep working with them. Tonight, 10-game Wednesday card. Um, I'm debating how I want to break this thing down. Let's just do let's do it fantasy-wise first, and then we'll do a quick zip-through on the betting side. Philly is at Charlotte. Not a lot here on the fantasy side. Cody Zeller's been on a heater, and then with a lot of guys out on Charlotte, you're sort of watching, you know, can Malik Monk carve out a role for himself? What's P.J. Washington's timeline? Things of that nature. Indy at Milwaukee. Another reason, honestly, I was a little surprised that the Pacers played as well as they did yesterday. I thought they'd be eyeballing this game. And uh, they're catching eight and a half on the back-to-back. Can the Pacers keep up with the Bucks? I don't know. Milwaukee looked pretty mad their last time out. <laughs> Dallas in Atlanta. This line confuses the crap out of me, but we're talking fantasy right now. Mavericks, 
they're they're working their pieces back together. So you'll you know keep one eye to see if anyone else can get in the mix for that team. But I'm betting the answer is no. Atlanta, come on, Gallo. Let's get over 20 minutes. I get it. We're kid-gloving the dude, but come on. Come on. Houston, no John Wall. So uh, that'll be a little bit more for some of the other guys. Daniel House is the guy I'm watching on the Rockets. He's the, the one guy on that team that's not rostered that many places that actually has a shot to have some fantasy value, but it's a question mark. Thunder are without Shea Gilgis Alexander. He has a sprained knee, I believe, is the latest ruling. So that might actually be a couple of ball games. Very surprising to me that the Rockets are only laying seven in this game, considering the Thunder are without their most important player. Uh, but that's where we're at right now. This is a rematch of a game where Houston blew them out two days ago as well. For the Thunder with no Shea, you can assume the young guys are all going to just sort of cut loose. And then the question is, which one of them's actually hit shots but it might be a shorter term thing than anything Knicks are in Chicago this is another rematch game uh not a lot on the Bulls right now we I think we can safely say Thad Young is a go for the Knicks Nerlens Noel is a guy I've been watching his minutes have been trending up not in the way that like he he played a ton in that last ball game and then Emmanuel quickly they keep waiting like it, when are these games are just gonna be like, oh, quickly's in the starting lineup and then everything's gonna go nuts. But hopefully everybody's stashing him at this point anyway. And I think Nerlens Noel is an absolute must add player if he's getting near 20 minutes a game. Like, like that's way more than enough for him. Clippers on the back to back in Cleveland laying eight on the road. Fantasy wise, not a great deal there uh, for the Clippers. We're sort of watching Batum, Marcus Morris, how that whole thing shakes out. For the Cavs, who's playing? We still don't have a report on uh, who's back in. I'm assuming everybody's back, but we'll see. And that is going to render some of the other guys a little more useless. Washington on the back-to-back. No Russell Westbrook. They're in Miami, and they're catching a ton. Heat trying to get their game back together, but still not quite all the way there. Wizards, they can score, uh, but they can't defend anybody. And so we'll keep an eye on the Mo Wagner situation with Washington I, li- listen, like, we're watching it. We are watching for it to see if anything happens. But, like, Wagner played 17 minutes yesterday and didn't do anything. And then Alex Len played 8 minutes and Robin Lopez pl- Lopez played 13. And then Davis Bertans got most of the center minutes on that team anyway. So it, it's very conceivable that no one emerges with fantasy value uh, outside of the core guys with Washington. Although we talked about them a lot earlier in this show. Some of the guys to watch in case anybody gets moved. Minnesota's in San Antonio. Spurs just got blown out by the Grizzlies twice. Question here, of course, is are the Spurs just in a slump or was it a bad matchup for them? Minnesota has been a tiny bit better. Admittedly, they've played the Cavs twice and that's helped their cause. But Anthony Edwards seems like he's injected a little life into that team. And uh, to me, he's a must own guy, even if you're not necessarily starting him. Cat still out. Phoenix is in New Orleans laying three and a half. That's a number that really seemed to start too low. The Suns were two-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Pels, who are slumping. I mean, the Pelicans look really bad these days, and this line jumps out at me as a little bit unusual. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, they're, you know, for the Phoenix side, you're just you're kind of waiting and watching and hoping everybody gets it going the right direction. Chris Paul's been great lately. Can Devin Booker get it together? And for the Pels... You know, is Josh Hart going to start carving out a role on this team? 
Lonzo's actually been playing a lot better lately. Does someone get moved? J.J. Redick has been out. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is on the periphery here. Uh, Steven Adams out. So Willie Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes are kind of in the discussion, but not really laser-focused on these things. They all feel a little more fleeting. And then Boston on the back-to-back in Sacramento, they're laying a point and a half. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think we have a pretty good idea of what to, what's going on with Boston right now, although with no Kemba, you'll have a little bit of a change in the backcourt. And then on Sacramento, they come home off a really nice road trip and have a big ball game right out of the shoot here against the Celtics. Kings have been looking better. I think Marvin Bagley is a drop, as I've said before. His percentage, his free throw percent in particular, has been horrible. He's not getting any defensive stats. He's just not doing enough right now to make his ownership worthwhile in fantasy leagues. From a gambling perspective, you got a handful of things floating around here, and I'll just laser focus on the ones that uh, that I think are relevant. Sacramento back home off a long road trip. That's something. Um, the Wizards with no Westbrook, they actually tend to be a little bit better. Clippers in Cleveland, is that a letdown spot for the Clippers? Maybe. Or are they pissed? New York-Chicago rematch. Houston-Oklahoma City rematch. Slumping Mavs laying points in Atlanta. That's a weird one. And then the Pacers, you know that this one, they're sort of, this is kind of the barometer thing. And that's probably about it. Folks, as always, at the end of the show, I do remind you one more time to hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you want to cover a team, I mean, I've done this pitch so hard the last couple of days, so hopefully you've heard about it. If you want to cover a team as a podcaster, hit me up. And again, this is not a dabbling. This is not something you want to screw around with. This is if you want to grow a podcast to be something big and special and be a juggernaut, hit me up. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com is the email address or at Dan Bespris is the note on Twitter. Please drop a five-star review on the podcast. Subscribe, all that good stuff. We love you guys. Back at you tomorrow. Uh, I think we may, I'm hoping, I think we're going to have Josh Millman on the show tomorrow. Talk about the fantasy face palm, one of our favorites. And then hoping to get Brew on the show on Friday. So big things in the works, I hope. Stay tuned on that. And again, check out HoopBall's new YouTube feed coming up this afternoon, Pacific time. So long, everybody. This has been a HoopBall presentation.